0: be my neighbor today I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 5 or on your electronic devices you can call it up to Luke chapter 25 as you're turning there you may you may be saying you're wondering what's going on pastor in a suit and tie today usually these casual guys are coming in saying you get me all confused sometimes you're casual sometimes you're dressed up hey it's real simple I did a wedding yesterday I went home I took the suit off put it on a hanger put it on the knobs of my dresser got up this morning and re-put my suit on it was that simple and all I had to do was change the tie. So uh, that's why I am the way I am. And that's why you might see all the little white hearts out there. They, they told me it had biodegradable white hearts. So hopefully over the next five years they will degrade. And uh, some people got all excited and thought they were manna from heaven. I wish the deer thought it was manna from heaven. But they ate the hosta instead. So Luke chapter 5. Can, you, can we just stand for the reading of God's word? This is a passage of scripture that just has really spoken to my heart, that I just want to be able to share with you some thoughts from it. Oops, let's go back. One day as he was teaching, that, of course, is Jesus. Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. In fact, Mark's account tells us that they were in a house in Capernaum, and it's thought to be the house of Peter's mother-in-law. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Where you find Jesus, you will find his power. And when you find his power, that power can transform your life and it can heal your life. Amen. Right, Marge? Amen. You mind? Marge had an x-ray done and it showed a, a spot, a tumor on her lungs. And, of course, that is cause for concern for anyone. And I went to Sloan Kettering and retested the uh, x-ray, and there was nothing there. Come on, somebody. Even they're confused. Where you find Jesus, you find his power. And as he was sitting in the house, Scripture says, the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came. Carrying a paralytic. On a mat. Some men came. Carrying. A paralytic on a mat. How many know we need one another? And they tried to take him. Into the house. To lay him before Jesus. Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, It doesn't say when Jesus saw his faith. When Jesus saw their faith, how many know we need one another? He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sin but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking That's sobering, because Jesus always knows what you're thinking. He asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. And Scripture says the people said, Hey, we've seen some remarkable things here today. Yeah, you think? <laughs> We've seen some remarkable things. (laughs) You may be seated. That man walked out of the house that day with a new faith and new legs. All because of the faith ...of some tenacious friends who were determined to get him in the presence of Jesus. To the point where they were willing to damage a house. Mark's account says they dug through the roof. These men were so determined... That they were willing to cause damage to someone's house in order to make it happen. I read this in Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 9. I read it in Luke's account, chapter 2, I mean Mark's account, chapter 2, and I read it in Luke's account in chapter 9, and I kept reading them. And the one thought that kept coming over and over and over. We need one another. If it wasn't for those four men, that man would still be lying on his mat. As I thought about this passage of Scripture, I had some thoughts that came to my mind. Very meaningful to me, and and the pastor, at the end, I will tell you, has to also practice what he preaches. So let me get into it. My first thought was this. We see friends carrying the mat. How many know friends carry mats? And I'm sure that you have carried a number of mats before In your life. But that's what friends do. That man lying on that mat, that was his life. That's all he knew. That mat was a symbol of his weakness, that mat was a symbol of everything that was wrong in his life. Many assume that because Jesus said your sins are forgiven, it was a result of his sins that he was paralyzed. That mat was his safety. That mat was his security. That mat was his home. That mat was his identity. If you lived back then, you were talking about this man and someone says, well, I don't know who you're talking about. How would you describe him? You would not describe him as the person who sits on the right-hand side of the church that comes to the early service. No, you would identify that man by, you know, the guy who's paralyzed, and he lies lays on a mat. That was his identity. And that mat not only represented everything wrong with him, I often thought, do you know... It was that mat that probably became a hindrance to have relationship with other people. It was that mat that he could have used to keep people at arm's distance. It was that mat that he could have used as a wall and as a barrier. I'm sure he saw his mat as something that perhaps He was ashamed of, and hey, don't come too close. Don't get too close. And that mat could have been a barrier wall to keep people at arm's distance. Now let's look at the other side of the equation. Let's look at these four men. These four men could have looked at that mat of that man and say, oh man, there's a hindrance to a relationship. There's a real burden. Make sure you don't get real close to Him because if you develop a relationship with Him, man, it's going to be a commitment. It's going to be a sacrifice. It may be something that you're not willing to do. And as they took a look at it a little bit longer, it could have been said, that's a relationship that's just too big for us to bear as well as the stigma that went along with it. You say the stigma. Remember in John chapter 9, the man who was born blind, his disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, he or his parents? So there was a stigma that day that when you were crippled, when there was something wrong, it was always like a curse because of something you had done. So there was a stigma attached to that man that could have prevented friends from building a relationship with him. As I think of that mat, and the man lying on it, and the four that carried it. I think that mat could have been a hindrance for relationship. But we do not find the man on the mat saying, no, 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 don't come close. And we don't find four men staying away from the mat. But it's almost like the man on the mat said, come. And the four men said, we're willing. And that mat, instead of being a hindrance to a relationship, actually became a point of connection. And as that mat became a point of connection, as a result, it brought about a miracle in that man's life. And we all have a mat. Come on. Every one of us have a mat, that thing we're nervous about that people will find out about. that thing we don't want anybody else to see. Maybe it's something in our past, maybe it's an insecurity, maybe it's a fear. Maybe it's something we're trying to hide, we're trying to avoid, we're trying to cover up. And we're afraid that if anyone gets close and and sees this, well, they won't want a relationship meet, And they'll judge and they'll condemn and they'll ridicule. Maybe it's a confession we need to make. Maybe it's help we need to ask for. Man, sometimes we're so proud we can't even ask for help. Maybe it's a weakness we just don't want to own up to. Maybe it's an insecurity that we're afraid to admit. Maybe it's a tragedy, it's a a trauma, or it's a trial that we're trying to suffer through on our own, that we're trying to walk through and survive that we don't want anybody else to know. Maybe it's a sin we've committed, or maybe it's a sin that's been committed against us. Maybe there's something in our personality. Maybe there's something about the dysfunction of our family. Or something with our finances or circumstances. At all costs, it's that thing we try to hide. We try to cover up because we're afraid that if someone gets too close, they'll see it. And your reputation will be destroyed. So we keep people at arm's length. Don't get too close. Because familiarity breeds contempt. Or we could use that as a point of connection and saying, hey, I need some help. I got this hurt, this problem, this difficulty. Man, I've been carrying so many mats, I'm, I'm on the edge of burnout. And it could be this mat that is, you reveal the weakness in your life to others, it could be a point of connection where others can come. It's one thing to carry a mat, but it's another thing to have your mat carried. But as this man allowed his mat to be carried, it ushered a transformation and a miracle in his life. And could it be that your pride and your arrogance from sharing your weakness with others is the very thing that's stopping a miracle from in your life? So I ask, who's carrying your mat today? Who's carrying your mat? Because on the other side of your vulnerability might be a miracle if you're just able to share with others. And on the other hand, I have to ask, Whose mat are you carrying? Maybe you've been avoiding somebody. Maybe the commitment's too much. Maybe the sacrifice is too great. Maybe there's a stigma to be associated with. But maybe perhaps your unwillingness to help someone else is, is preventing that one from experiencing a miracle. Just a thought. Who's carrying your mat today? And whose mat are you carrying? Just some thoughts. The other thought I saw in this is friends activate faith. For years I've always thought when Jesus saw his faith... The faith of the man. But it's not the faith of the man that's lying on the mat. When Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the tenacious friends who were willing to destroy the roof of a home in order to bring someone to to lay them down before Jesus. You know, I thought maybe we need to start tearing some roofs off homes so people can see Jesus. I don't know if I'm willing to go to jail, though. Um, (laughs) But when Jesus saw their faith, the faith of his friends, the faith that activated a new story, author and pastor Andy Stanley says this, your friends will determine the quality and direction of your life. Let that sink in. Your friends will determine the quality and direction of your life. Show me who your friends are. Whose voices are loudest in your ear. Whose opinions matter to you the most. And I'm pretty sure I can make some good prediction where you're heading in life. His life was changed because of the faith of the four friends. Now, a lot of times, just bear with me here for a moment. A lot of times we think that faith is a mental exercise. We know that faith cometh by hearing, right? Faith cometh by hearing. So a lot of times... And I'm not saying this is wrong. We listen to the word more. We try to read the word more. We fast and we pray. And we want to build our faith. And there's nothing wrong with that. But this is what I took note in this story. These four men weren't singing around a campfire, kumbaya, fasting and praying for the man on the mat. And I'm not saying that's wrong. But sometimes behind fasting and praying, we know that faith without works is. And sometimes faith means rolling up your sleeves And doing some hard work. The reality in this story was faith was very active. It was physical. It was raw. It was tangible. It was hard work. The faith of these four men were manifested in carrying a man through the streets of Capernaum. Getting to a house. Seeing there's no way in carrying him up a flight or two of steps, getting to the roof, digging through the roof in order to lower him down. And as I was thinking about this, sometimes spiritual maturity manifests itself in sweat. Sometimes spiritual maturity manifests itself in sweat. And I almost happen to believe that It was that sweat of those four men that watered a little seed which brought about a miracle. Sometimes spiritual maturity is measured in the calories that we have burned serving someone else. Faith is physical, raw, tangible, hard work. But as a result of that hard work, there was a transformation that took place in that man's life. Sometimes it may mean opening a checkbook. Sometimes it may mean rearranging your character ca- calendar. Sometimes it may mean sacrificing more than you want or, or inconveniencing yourself. But through opening your checkbook, through inconveniencing, through that sacrifice, through rearranging your calendar, you never know when there's a miracle on the other side of it. And now what I find so exciting is not only did the faith of those friends activate faith in that man's life. But we read in verse 25. I mean we read in verse 26, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, "We have seen some remarkable things. Not only did faith activate the faith of that man on the mat, but that faith of those four men, it changed a community. That sweat. And hard work was able to make a proclamation to a community that caused people to change their story and praise God. I know life groups are connection groups are coming to an end and they'll be starting back up in September. But I wanted to make this connection When life groups start up in September, sometimes, you know, we, we feel, well, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm spiritual enough. I don't know if I know enough about the Bible. And, and you know, I feel a little inhibited, and I'm not going to join a group. Well, maybe you need to join the group so someone else can carry your mat. And then you always have these. I don't want to be a part of life group because, you know, my life is doing really good. I have my devotions and I pray. And, you know, I, I don't know what this group could teach me. And, and you know what, I, I just, it, I, Pastor, I don't need it. But what I'm saying is you never know who's in the life group that might need your faith. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. Who's carrying your mat? And whose mat are you carrying? It was last February, February 2020, right before the pandemic stroke, that we were doing a sermon series entitled Anonymous. And I started the great task of Romans chapter 16, where Paul lists 37 names of people and I took two weeks to preach on it because I said behind every name there's a story if you remember that and we went through those 37 people like Phoebe and Aquila and Priscilla and um, Rufus and Epinitus and Triphosa and Triphosa dainty and dainty those those. Those twin girls who Paul said were hard workers. And I mention that because I have often wondered why Romans 16 is in the Bible. Because behind every name there's a story. But then I also thought of this. As I reflected upon those names and what they meant to Paul. Romans, to me, is one of the most theological books as he writes to the church in Rome, Paul does. And Paul basically shares his story of faith. Paul basically shares in that book what he believes and why he believes it. It's a deep, theological, profound book. And at the end... He just starts listing a bunch of names. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me why it's in there. Paul tells his story of faith. And at the end of the movie, the credits start to roll. And Paul says, listen, my story of faith. Here's a list of the characters. Here's a list of the cast. Here's... here's." the ones I need to give credit to. Here's the ones who I've discipled, and here are the ones who have discipled me. Here are the ones whose mats I have carried, but also the ones who have carried my mat. And he goes on and on and on with 37 names. And I'm thinking to myself, we all have a Romans 16, don't we? Because I'm sure there's not one here who could give your story of faith without giving credit to some of those around you. All of us, when we share our story, we have to give credit to someone who carried our mat along the way. If it wasn't because of this pastor, if it wasn't for this pastor, if it wasn't for this small group leader, if it wasn't for this Sunday school teacher, if it wasn't for this partner in prayer, I would never be where I am today. And I'm sure we all have a list in our story of faith that we can give credit to of different individuals. But let me flip it for a moment. Whose list will you be on? Whose list will you be on? Listen, if you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, I don't I don't know, man. I don't know whose list I'm gonna be on. Well You want a list to be on? I'll give you a list to be on. You can be on my list. Because I have carried so many mats. Over the past 16 months, man, I'm telling you. You read books about pastors who suffer burnout. You read articles on burnout. And you can't begin to ignore the symptoms in your own life. Sometimes the pastor has to say, I have a mat that needs to be carried. And in the end, all of you who pay for me, you'll be on my list. Paul had 37. (laughs) I'll have 532 names. I'm telling you this to say this. I'm going to do something I've never done before and the board knows about it. One of my goals in life is to finish well. We've been talking in the board. I want to finish well. The last pastor to finish well was in 1949. 1949. And that's not to say that all the other pastors didn't do good, but at the end they didn't finish well. And I want to finish well. I want to finish strong. And I've realized that if I continue the path that I'm on, I'm not going to finish well. So I'm combining my vacation time, and I'm telling you ahead of time, I'll be here next week to finish up the series of Won't You Be My Neighbor. But then for the month of July, you won't see me. I need some time. Time for my mat to be carried. And I have a wonderful staff of competent people who can carry the mat here. And I just need time to do some things that I need to do. So that I can come back in August. And we're going to run the race strong until the finish. Would you stand with me?